hi there, wherever you are. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host on today's episode of Unshaken, a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. Before we jump into the content of today's podcast, I wanted to bring up two short, quick things. Number one, I wanted to encourage you to head over to your favorite podcast directory and give us a review. Okay, I'd love to have a five-star review, but make a little note on there about what the podcast has done for you. Has it been an encouragement? This is really a way for others to hear about our podcast, which leads me to the second thing that I'm going to ask you to do, and that's to share it with a friend or two. Word of mouth is probably the best way to get something like this out. Maybe share it on your Facebook page or send a little note to some friends, letting them know what a valuable tool this is and encouraging you in your walk with Christ. I also want to ask you, how's your Bible reading going? If you remember, we have this theme this season about peace, and the Bible is the best place to get peace, right? And April Klein, in our first episode, shared with us a challenge to read the Bible every day. So how's it going? If you still want to join the hashtag Bible Reading with Friends Facebook group, you can check it out in our show notes and join anytime. Even if you've never read your Bible before, this is a great time to start. And even if you didn't start when the Facebook group started, you can start now. So I hope you jump in. So today we're going to talk about a topic that probably will never leave our lives, and that's busyness. The definition for busyness is a great deal to do. Do you feel like you have a great deal to do? I feel like that frequently. Sometimes I like to look at a word that I want to check out the definition for and I look up the synonyms because they help me understand the word more. So some of the synonyms for busyness are interesting. One of them is active. I mean, I could say I have an active life. I am busy working with things. I'm always working and busy um, around my house. Maybe I think my life is pretty engaging. You know, I've got a lot going on and it's kind of fun and exciting. I might even go the route of saying that um, my busyness is diligence and industriousness in my house, and I I feel that way often, or with my job. Um, But maybe your busyness feels more like you are knee-deep, which means it's hard to get out of it, or you're swamped by your schedule, or you have a full plate. I hear that frequently. My plate is too full to add anything else to it. I am overloaded, overwhelmed, and I'm just plain stressed. Well. If that's how you feel today, we need to talk a little bit about what does God think about busyness? Is it okay? And how can we take a look at our schedule in our lives and serve God even in the midst of our busyness? So Aaliyah Bailey shared this talk at our 2018 Regarding Him conference. We're gonna check it out and think how God views busyness. If you didn't know, is having peace in the midst of busyness. Now, I know some of you here personally, a few of you I just introduced myself to, um, there are a lot that I don't know at all. So I thought that we could get started by doing a little bit of sharing. Because I think there's a couple things I know about you, given that you signed up for this. The first (laughs) is that you must be busy, right? Is everybody busy? Yep. I don't know, though, the particulars of what keeps each of you busy. So I thought, just shout out one or two words, not like life story, but one or two words <laughs> of what, what keeps what keeps you busy. Children. Children, okay. Work. Work, Work job, yep. School. Ministry. Ministry, yep. What else? Homeschooling and running your own business. Homeschooling and running your own business. That's busy, yep, definitely. What else? Church activities. 
Church activities, yeah. Let's be real, laundry. Laundry, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> to go through I'm sure yeah yeah under all of these under all of these kind of categories like jobs and children and there's a lot of particulars things like laundry that keep us busy lots of little things can keep us busy right it doesn't really matter what stage of life we're in it's true for each of us there feel it feels like there are endless things to get done chances are good that you frequently go to bed at night feeling like there is a whole lot more to do the next day than what you're ever going to have time to actually accomplish, right? So I know that everybody here is busy. The second thing that we may have in common is that you struggle to face your busyness with peace. When somebody asks you, oh, how's your week been? And you give the answer, busy, it probably isn't said with this like satisfied, like, oh, wow. I was able to get so much done, right? Is that true? It's probably more like of a, a deep sigh, like, oh, busy, you know, just never does seem to stop. <laughs> Clearly, you saw the breakout session, peace in the midst of busyness, and you thought, okay, maybe this will offer some help with some negative attitudes, some negative feelings I have in my busyness. So when you're looking ahead at a busy week, or maybe you're right in the midst of the busyness yourself, how would you describe how you're feeling? Again, just a word or two. How would you describe? Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Yep, that's a big one. Tired. Tired slash exhausted, right? Yeah. Rushed. Rushed. Yeah. Out of control. Judgmental. Out of control, judgmental. What was the other one? Stressed, maybe like irritable, like anxious. that was anxious, yeah. yeah. Indecisive. Indecisive, yes. frustrated, <laughs> sick. <laughs> sick. <laughs> maybe that goes along with the exhaustion, yeah. Okay, so. Your stomach gets all. Yeah. yeah, and you know, the, the way we feel in the midst of our busyness says something to us about our view of our busyness, doesn't it? But we're faced with a question, and that is, what is God's view of busyness? Because once we establish what God's view of busyness is, we can go on to talk about how his view should affect our attitudes and our feelings towards the busyness of our own lives. <clears throat> and before we get started, let's, let's pray. Father God, thank you for this conference. Thank you for bringing each of these women here in the midst of their busy lives. Thank you for working things in such a way that they can be here. I pray, Father, you would guide my words Soften our hearts to hear your word. I pray that you bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. So, the Apostle Paul um, is one of the central authors of the New Testament. He wrote over half of the books found in it. We're actually going to be looking at two different passages from Paul's writing um, during our talk this morning. The first one is from Titus. So, if you have your Bible, you can open it to Titus 2. 11 through 14, and I don't think that they were able to fit this one on the handout, so I'm sorry, but I'll read it slowly and I'll listen. Okay, Titus 2, 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, 
and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. In another letter that Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus, and this is on your uh, handout, he wrote, For we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now, these two passages are just two out of many in Scripture that make it clear that God desires people to be devoted to good deeds. Ephesians 2 says that we were created in Christ for this purpose, and Titus says that Jesus actually died for it, to purify a people who will be zealous for good deeds. Zeal, or being zealous, is defined as ardently active, devoted, or diligent. Some synonyms for the word are enthusiastic, fervid, fervent, intense, or passionate. So Jesus died to purify his people from lawless deeds and to make them passionately active in good deeds or fervently diligent in doing good works. And it really isn't just something that Jesus desires, it's something that he actually set an example of for us while he was here on earth. As we read through the Gospels, we see Jesus constantly being surrounded by tens and hundreds and even thousands of people who are all trying to get to him to hear his teaching, or to seek his healing power, or to ask him a question. At one point, we're told that he had his disciples get into a boat and go to a secluded place because it says they hadn't even had time to eat. That is how busy they were. Jesus' life was devoted to being, was, was focused on being devoted to the good works, the good deeds that were set before him. And the Apostle Paul, who I mentioned earlier, imitated Jesus and set another example for us of this same devotion. I did a little bit of research and I found out that Paul traveled at least 10,000 miles on foot traveling, and that's not including all the miles that he spent um, sailing. He started at least 14 different churches, and um, not only did he start them, but he really pastored them, and he knew the people that were a part of them. Uh, many of the books in the New Testament are letters that Paul wrote to churches that he had started following up with them and encouraging them and continuing to teach them. Paul really spent his days preaching and teaching and evangelizing everywhere he went. And as if that weren't enough, he also worked as a tent maker to support himself. Um, to his friends in Thessalonica, he wrote, With labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we wouldn't be a burden to any of you. Now many of us go through life with this feeling that we could be happier, that life would be easier if only our schedules would just lighten up a little bit, don't we? Many of us look longingly for a day when we won't have so much on our plates because then we won't have to live with this stress or with this frustration, with this anxiety. <clears throat> While there are some who do long to be totally free from busyness, I think that others here are at least at times unhappy with their work for a different reason. As I was just talking about Jesus and Paul, I was looking around and I wonder how many of us had a thought something like, okay, what's this got to do with me? Like, 
yes, I get that they were busy. They were busy doing really important things, you know, like healing people, starting churches, doing miracles. That type of busyness is obviously important. My busyness is mundane. My busyness is unfulfilling. And it is true that when we shouted out and listed the things that we're busy with, none of us really said like, oh, starting churches, teaching thousands and thousands of people, changing lives, you know, none of us said anything like that. Ministry was close, but raising children, yes. But none of us are thinking of these things in this big picture glorious way that we look at Jesus and Paul, right? And I think that this is the point, this is the real center, the real cause for our lack of peace in the midst of our busyness. Truly, we long for a life other than the one that God's given us. We are busy with all that we have on our plates, and either we'd like that plate cleared, or maybe we'd like to switch plates with somebody else. Sometimes I think we can feel this way in an acute way during defined moments or days, like when you've got to get out of the house by a certain time and you're trying to throw dinner in the crock pot because you don't yet have an instant pot, and you've got to get laundry started, and you really do need to look presentable too, right? Or maybe you have a few weeks where you've got several projects you're working on in addition to your normal busyness at work. There are other periods in which we can feel this way for a more prolonged period of time. Like maybe you have a couple more years left of school, and you know they're definitely not going to be any easier than the last couple years. Or maybe you're caring for a sick loved one, and you've been doing so for a long time, and you're just starting to get worn out. Remember that Ephesians 2 told us that God is the one who's prepared our good deeds for us. He has prepared these things for each of us personally and individually. Just as Jesus was given his work by God the Father, you have been personally given work as well. So it is God who is the one that has called us to busy lives. He's given us work to do, but isn't it all true that we frequently lack joy in the midst of that work? Maybe we feel like it's boring work or unimportant work. Maybe we feel like some of our work, or at least the amount of it, is unfair. Some of us may feel like God has called us to good deeds, but there is just so much other stuff that gets in the way of us carrying them out. I think that many of us don't think to make a connection between our everyday tasks and responsibilities and the good deeds that I talked about earlier. Because we know that Jesus wants us to be zealous for good deeds, but what are good deeds anyway? I mean, we know that volunteering at a food pantry or going on a mission trip or giving money to the poor, those things are good deeds, right? But is math homework, grocery shopping, ordinary nine-to-five jobs, <laughs> brushing kids' teeth, are those things really good deeds? Can they be considered good works like the ones Titus 2 says Jesus died for? Could they ever really be compared to the work that Jesus and Paul were so busy with? Does God really care to pay any attention to those things at all? Okay, so I have a story for you. About a month and a half ago, um, my stepmom was babysitting 
my three sons. I have three boys and then a baby girl. My boys are six, four, and two. So when I got back to the house after being gone for a couple hours, my two-year-old, Levi, reading at the door with a big smile. He was super excited. I walked in and he said, Mom, look, look. And he ran away, wanting me to follow him clearly into the living room where my stepmom has this desk where she has like art supplies and sewing things. And he grabbed this paper and he said, Mom, look for Mommy and Daddy. For Mommy and Daddy. Well, Levi had obviously painted this for me and his daddy. And so I responded the way moms do. Wow. <laughs> Levi, this is wonderful. So beautiful. Levi, did you do this all by yourself? And he did. Levi did this all by himself. <laughs> so, so, so we continued to, to hold it and to ooh and ah. And I just kept going on and on about how wonderful and beautiful it is. And we're staring at it. And Levi does this kind of goofy face when he's thinking about something or trying to figure something out. His eyes kind of get wide. I can't quite even make the face. His eyes kind of get wide and he sticks his tongue out. Okay? So just try to imagine it. <laughs> and he says with complete sincerity, What is it? <laughs> Levi didn't quite know what it was, but he had great joy and satisfaction in making things for me. Knowing that, he, that I was going to be super excited to see this, that I was pleased with it, is what gave him so much excitement in painting it and bringing it for me, to me. I think that we can learn something about how God's view of our work should affect us from Levi's joy. It really was my pleasure and what Levi had done that gave him so much joy in this. I know he's two, and so yes, he does just like smearing paint around on a piece of paper. But the real lasting joy, the real lasting satisfaction came from my being pleased with it. And he actually did have lasting joy in it. I went home and I put this up on the refrigerator because it's so wonderful, obviously. And every day for weeks after, he asked to hold it. And as he was holding it, he'd say, I make this for mommy and daddy. He really was pleased with it. Now, I wonder what Levi's reaction would have been if I had walked in the house and he ran and I grabbed it and I said, oh, Levi, nice, and walked away without any more comments. Would he have continued to have so much joy in it? Or what if that was my regular reaction? Would he continue to seek me when he makes more things for me? I don't think so. Because Levi, it's because of his, I'm sorry, why is Levi so pleased with it? Levi is pleased with it because his view of the value of this comes as a direct result of the way I value it as his mom. So do we have that same view of our work? If only we could have that same very simple childlike satisfaction in our humble busyness for God. The Bible tells us that he is our perfect Heavenly Father. He wants us to come to him like children, like Levi, who's satisfied in doing the things that I find valuable. God really wants us to be satisfied, to have peace in doing the things that he values. 
So what does God value? Well, in the Bible, there are lots and lots of examples of God praising simple, ordinary work. Jesus praised a woman for giving a penny to the temple fund. Um, the book of Proverbs describes an excellent wife as one who spends her time cooking and getting clothing and earning money for her household. The Apostle Paul says that a woman who spends her days raising children and showing hospitality and just helping those around her who need it is worthy of being supported by the church should her husband die. So none of those three people are described as doing anything that we would find particularly earth-shattering or monumental, right? Things like earning money for your family, cooking, laundry, helping those who need it. But God values those everyday tasks and responsibilities. He also does care about the, high, the, the college student or the high school student who just wants to do her math and work well. He cares about the young mom who spends 20 minutes tying kids' shoes and zipping up coats every single time she leaves the house. He cares about the woman who feels like she goes from busy season to busy season, never getting a break at work. He cares about the woman who spends her time caring for grandkids and sick friends. When we know Jesus, we can have satisfaction and contentment in these things, knowing that they bring glory to God as we walk in obedience to him. Remember that in Titus 2, Paul said that Jesus died so that his people would be devoted to these good works. And that is how valuable, how worthwhile God finds these tasks. As God's children, we should have contentment in being busy about the work that our Father finds valuable. But unfortunately, unlike Levi with his painting, that peace, that satisfaction, that contentment doesn't always come so naturally. And so I've got three ways that we can seek contentment in the midst of our busyness. The first is to fight comparisons. We can be very prone to comparing our circumstances to others. It can be such a normal way of thinking that we are probably not fully conscious that that is what we are doing. We can compare our kids' needs, our schedules, our husband's schedules, to those of the people around us. We can compare our own gifts and talents, privileges and opportunities with others. Earlier I said that our plates are very full when it comes to the tasks that need to be accomplished. Some of us look at the plate of our friend and think that it looks a whole lot more appealing than ours. We're like the child that looks over at her sister's plate and just so happens to notice that she has a much larger portion of dessert and a much smaller portion of peas than we do. <laughs> she was asked to lead a Bible study again, and I'm stuck working in the nursery. Or her husband is so helpful, and I am stuck doing all the work around my house by myself. I've heard it said that comparisons are odious, and they really are. Because even when we do win out some of the time, the habit of comparing only really feeds our discontentment. So rather than walking with peace and gratitude for the life that we've been given, we look at what God has given to others and then weigh these things on our own invented scale of worth. 
Again, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God has prepared our good works so that we will carry them out. He's the one who's given us our circumstances, and he's the one who gave our friend hers. When we compare the life that we've been given to the life that others have been given, we make ourselves a judge of God's work. In my mind, I get to determine what's important and what's not, or what the good life is and what's just secondary. So personally, I mentioned I have four kids. Much of my work is wrapped up in taking care of my children. I do have a lot of other tasks and responsibilities, but they kind of have to fill in the space that's taken up by God honoring mothering. In the midst of changing diapers and cleaning sticky hands and reading brown bear, brown bear, what do you see <laughs> for the 10th time in a single day, my eyes can easily travel outside of my home to the lives of other women. I compare what they are able to accomplish with their seemingly free and flexible schedules to what I'm able to accomplish with mine. But when I do this, what am I saying? Well, I'm essentially telling God that I wish he would have given me different good works to walk in. When we say in our hearts, if only I could have some rest like her, or if only I had been given the opportunities that she's been given, we're really saying, if only God had treated me better, or if only God would have given me something more important to do. Let's fight comparisons and be grateful for God's care and control over our individual lives. He is a kind and loving Father. If he's given us good deeds to walk in, let's not belittle them by comparing or complaining about them in our hearts. If he's given you busyness with good deeds, he will also give you the strength to carry those out. And this leads to the second way that we can seek peace or contentment in the midst of our busyness. Go to God in prayer and ask for it. Now, I know that the simple challenge to go pray can feel like a childish Sunday school answer to what we consider to be a real and pressing issue. But really that's only if we don't have a good understanding of what prayer actually is. God, the one who has created us, has given us the opportunity and even the command to come and talk to him. He tells us in scripture that we don't have just because we don't ask. Remember that Ephesians 2 says that we are God's workmanship and he prepared good works for us to walk in. When we remember that God is a loving father to us, we, we know that he hasn't given us work to do just so that we can feel frazzled, right? He isn't a cruel father and he isn't an absent father but he is a kind and compassionate one, a father who is always present with us. So don't you think that he wants you to have peace and contentment as we carry out the work that he's prepared for us? Don't you think that he desires that we trust that he's working for greater purposes in the midst of our ordinary and everyday bus busyness? God desires that we do rely on him for strength because he is the only real source of strength that we have. I mean, the fact that we do feel indecisive and overwhelmed and tired and frustrated and irritable shows that we don't really have what it takes in and of ourselves. 
in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. And that includes all the ordinary, everyday good deeds. The Lord knows that we are weak in our flesh. And he, Second Corinthians, and I don't have it, but I think it's 9, 8. I think it's chapter 9. Thanks, Jen. Okay. The Lord knows that we are weak, and he is generous. When we come to him in humility and ask him for the peace and contentment that we don't have on our own, he's really happy to answer that prayer. He is able to give us everything, everything we need for the good work that is on our plate. So whether it's the silly little stuff that just builds into this pile of frustration, or if it's that big responsibility that hangs over your head like a dark and heavy cloud, God does give peace. So develop the habit of talking to him every day, all throughout the day. Because he does hear his children. He is with us. So one way to seek contentment in the midst of busyness is to fight making comparisons in our minds. The second is to speak to God as our Father and ask him for it in prayer. The third way that we can seek contentment in the midst of our busyness is to spend some time evaluating and weighing the reasons for your busyness. Up until this point, I've been speaking to us as a people who are busy doing the work that God's given to us, yet we don't have peace because we don't value the same things that God values. I do think it's important to say, though, that some of us, or probably all of us at times, don't have peace in our busyness because we're not actually doing the work that God desires from us. We're, we're not busy doing the work that he values. We can't assume that all busyness is pleasing to God. If you know the story of Mary and Martha, you might remember Mary was at Jesus' feet hearing his teaching and talking with him, and Martha was busy, busy doing work in the kitchen. Jesus praised Mary's busyness and not Martha's. So there is a difference in busyness. So I have a few questions that I hope could be helpful in evaluating whether or not you are busy with the deeds that God desires from you. The first is, are you neglecting clear commands and responsibility that God has given to you? At times, I think all of us find it difficult to discern which tasks, which works God would have us to be busy with. But the place to start is always in scripture. So for example, God has given me four children and he's commanded me to train them up in the way they should go. So if I'm neglecting that, then my life is still going to feel very chaotic, but it's just because I'm not obeying the Lord in that area. For the moms in the room, I don't believe that God has given us children and then called us to be a hot mess, if you've ever heard the phrase hot mess mama. So if that is how you identify yourself, then maybe do some evaluating. Are you neglecting the Lord's commands in certain areas? Is that how, why you identify yourself in that way? But really, there are many, many ways that we can go through life um, ignoring the clear commands from Scripture for the sake of other busyness. 
it's really just another way that we show that we value things other than what God values. So spend some time every single day reading the Bible. If you don't have a church family, find one so that you can learn from other people who love God's word. Learn what God desires from your life and then prioritize those things above all else. Uh, the second question, do you consistently take on more work because you are seeking fulfillment in being well accomplished? If we are God's children, then that is our identity. Our identity can't be in being the most successful in terms of accomplishments on earth. So ask yourself, what's the motivation for taking on more and more? Is the answer frequently so that you will look better to those around you or so that you will feel better about yourself? Sometimes the work that we take on is in things like added responsibilities and titles at work. Or sometimes it's things that we do around our house so that we can look like we have it all together for those around us. The truth is that there's often much work involved in looking a certain way on social media. But true contentment is found in being God's faithful servant. It's not in doing, doing, doing. So if being successful or put together in all the ways that the world would call success is where you're looking for peace, then you just aren't going to find it. Because the truth is that that kind of success always does come to an end. The high of the achievement will fade, especially when everybody's attention moves on to somebody else, and it always does. Seek to work in the good work, seek to be busy walking in the good works that God has called you to as an obedient child, and he will give you the fulfillment that you're looking for. Number three, and this can be related to number two, are you unable to say no to more work because you fear disappointing people? Our fear of not doing the work that God has called us to must outweigh our fear of not doing the work that other people around us want us to do. Just because a person suggests that maybe you should be the treasurer of the student body doesn't really mean that you have to. Or just because a person says, oh, hey, maybe you should join the PTA, doesn't mean that you must. So if you find it nearly impossible to just say no, evaluate whether or not it's due to a fear of disappointing people. You may not have contentment because you are valuing what others think of you more than what God is thinking of you. Number four, are you busy being idle? I would be remiss, I think, if I didn't consider the fact that many of us are at times busy not really doing anything. I was struck one day after I realized I had been on Pinterest for probably 45 minutes searching for a quick and easy recipe for dinner that night. I thought, wow, I really could have already had dinner made in the time that I had spent with my endless scrolling. Many of us and I absolutely include myself in this, are frequently unaware of the amount of time that we spend on Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram, endless blogs and articles, and that's my downfall, or reading books or watching TV. It may be that your day-to-day -day life would be less crunched for time if you just took the time you were spending there and tried to put it somewhere else. Perhaps it would be helpful for you 
to put your phone, because I think for many of us it might be our phone, in a cabinet somewhere. Answer it if you get a real call, but ignore some of the text notifications just for a little while. It turns out that people were really okay without them for a long, long time. <laughs> or maybe, I know, it's shocking. <laughs> or maybe it would be helpful to, to do a little bit of a time study of your day. This would be painful. Track what you're doing every 15 minutes or so. There have been plenty of days that I've realized after putting my kids to bed at night that I haven't had time to do anything that I needed to do because I had spent all my time doing frivolous things that I didn't actually have to do at all, but that felt pressing on me. Okay, so question five. And this is the last one. Are you following God's example of resting from your work? The book of Genesis tells us that God spent six days working in creation, and then he rested on the seventh. And then God tells us to follow that example. In the Ten Commandments, he says, Honor the Sabbath, or the day of rest, and keep it holy, or separate. Now, the, the idea of working for six days and then resting on the seventh, on Sunday, may sound super foreign to you. It really is completely <coughs> countercultural in our country. And even if it doesn't sound foreign, it might feel like a hassle or a burden, like maybe one less day to get things accomplished. But God's laws are actually a blessing, or as scripture says, they're sweeter than honey. Mm. Um, Jesus said that a day of rest was given by, to us by God for our own good. I think we all know we do need time to rest and recharge. So what would it look like for you to set Sunday aside as a day to do just that? Um, for my family, we're at church for the beginning of the day each Sunday. And so I've made it a habit to do things like just prepare for lunch the night before on Saturday so that I'm not rushing around Sunday morning or coming home hungry and rushing around <laughs> with hungry kids too. I do things like try to set out my kids' clothes the night before so that I'm not busy searching for a missing shoe or a particular shirt. When we have time, free time on Sunday afternoons, we are purposeful to spend it doing things like just hanging out with friends or napping or reading a book, something that actually feels restful. Sundays really have become my favorite day of the week. They really are recharging, much more so than any other little thing I could do to fill 10 minutes. And God, who has no deficiencies, rested for a day after working six. Trust God and copy that example. Work really hard for six days, and then discipline yourself to rest on the seventh. He wants us to have peace that is found in resting. But the best way to do it is to rest in the way he tells us to. I know it's a great thing to be able to spend a whole day with other women. I got to leave my kids at home. Many of us have decided to ignore some of those pressing responsibilities on us. Come be with other women, hear teaching, spend time with friends. But in a few hours, we're all gonna head home to our ordinary, everyday busyness, right? And as you might have noticed, 
I don't actually have any kind of potion, magic potion for peace in your life. It's not just, uh, well here, step one, step two, step three, step four, and now you will have peace forevermore in the midst of your busyness. <laughs> because there really is nothing, there's no vacation, there's no girls night out, that can provide the peace and the satisfaction that is found in knowing that the ordinary work that God has called each of us to be busy with is the most important work that we can be doing. So if you are exasperated, if you're tired and stressed and frustrated, God offers you a peace that surpasses understanding. But it is his peace, and it's given on his terms. It's obtained through carrying out his work and valuing the things that he values. There is nothing like the kind of peace that comes from that anywhere here on earth. So really, no matter what our busyness, whether it's piles of laundry that we have to fold, or filing a lot of papers at work, toting kids to and from soccer games or practices, or maybe it's just checking off our to-do list in our bullet journal, we really all know that we are busy. So I guess instead of looking at the lists that we have to do, we should look at how we can bring glory to God even in the midst of whatever is causing us to be busy. I love Aaliyah bringing us to the verse in Titus, so I wanted to share that with us as we end today. Titus 2, 11 and 12, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. I am so grateful to be reminded today that no matter what is in front of me, whatever I consider to be busy, however much I'm busy, I can view it through scripture and remember that it's the good works God has given me to do today. So let me just end today and pray for you and I as we think about our schedules and our lives and the busyness. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now for all of the listeners and for myself that you will give us great wisdom. I pray that we will honor you with our days, whether it's folding laundry or working in our jobs or whatever it is that you've put in front of us may we bring glory to you and may we have a reminder every day to view it in light of what you've told us in the bible about these being our good works to do to glorify you thank you for these listeners may we honor you today in jesus name amen and remember when everything around you is shaken you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of god until next time